Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I should say it's good morning because it is 12.01 in the morning. And welcome back to Forty Thinker. I'm your host, John Murray. And I know we did one several hours ago, but I don't know if you consider it a two-for-one. But we'll consider it a two-for-one because I did one about 4 o'clock this afternoon. And now we're doing one after midnight, which is, unfortunately, that's kind of sometimes the best times I can put out these episodes where it's just peace and quiet, everybody, how the family's in the bed, and you get a chance to pretty much come out and have better focus, better concentration to put out, to put out these episodes for you. Uh, as I stated earlier, for those new time, those first time viewers that have come to listen to this podcast, I want to say thank you for doing so, and please come on back. Please tell your family, your friends, loved ones, neighbors, whoever the ca- whatever the case might be, co-workers, please tell them to listen to the podcast as uh, I continue, continue to try to improve the best I can. I know some people have more fancier podcasts where they'll go right, do about uh, music, they'll cut a long speech. I know some people don't like it, some people cut like a 10-minute speech and then get into the show. I know some Viewers and I've listened to Twitter feeds, and somebody do a lot of people do not like that. Me, I'm a man who likes to not be around the bush and jump into something, to jump into things right away. Uh, for those viewers that have been with me from day one, I want to thank you for doing so, and please continue to come on back and tell anybody that you that you know as well, family, friends, whoever else you need to tell, please tell them, please. I'm trying to build a fan base, trying to build a big, trying to build a top-notch podcast out there. Sure, there's still some work to be done, but to me, with improvement, I believe I can put out a quality podcast that people can certainly listen to from week to week, on a week-to-week basis. Again, as I say before, it all depends on when I can really get to sit down and do a podcast. I know I wished there would come a day in time where I could leave work, make money by doing a podcast. But of course that's those odds are probably slim and slim and none as a lot of people would say. Uh but for me, let's jump right into business and let's jump into the very first statement. A statement I read here probably about a couple of hours ago, and that's Tua. Now Tua states Tua Tyloba. I probably pronounced his name wrong. The one thing I guess in doing podcasts, you got to learn how to start pronouncing people's names. But Tua has come out and pretty much said that he feels no pressure whatsoever as the Miami Dolphins have gone out and got a Tyree kill. A second year of Jalen Waddle. Mike Leckie, you're tight in. And you've gone out and you've added a couple of running backs. You've added a couple of offensive linemen that you, that, that you hopefully are going to protect. Tua. Now, Tua says he feels no pressure in the world. Now, now I can understand sort of Tua's perspective because, to be honest with you, Tua quarterback for the University of Alabama, and that is a lot of pressure right there being an Alabama quarterback. Now, Tua out of the pressure because it was, it was Tua that was brought in in the second half of a game, of a game and won the national championship. 
ask Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts knows what it feels like to have the pressure, that pressure on you as well from Andy. And now, Mr. Young, who is the quarterback now for Alabama, Bryce Young, I'm sure he feels the pressure because he got Alabama into a national championship game. Now, granted, they lost, but he knows. So, to uh, in the point of view, I understand Tua's point because he understands pressure. Certainly being, you know, like I said before, you know, being the quarterback of the University of Alabama, it's pressure. You know, the University of Alabama, you're expected pretty much now to be in national championship contention pretty much every single year. And that comes with pressure with not only on Nick Saban, because Nick Saban has seven national championships, but it puts the pressure not only on the quarterback, but the team in general for the University of Alabama, because you're expected to do this. Well, now, the pressure now is on. Now, pressure now. Tua has to feel some pressure. Now, he may tell the public, he may tell the media that, hey, I feel no pressure. But to be honest with you, he has to feel pressure. I mean, let's be honest with you. Wasn't it Wasn't it Deshaun Watson? Everybody talking about Deshaun Watson. He's going to Miami. Tua's not going to be there much longer. He's probably going to trade the Texans in some type of deal for Deshaun Watson. Well, unfortunate. Tua got lucky, and he's still staying in Miami. Now, now, for one, Tua has told the media that him and Mike McDaniel has set, has, have sat down. They have gone over some video footage of him last year, and he has explained to him what, you know, what he is doing wrong, and that's great. That's great that McDaniel and that's great that Tua are getting off on the right foot, and they're sitting down watching tape, and he's telling Tua, hey, you can improve on this by doing this. And I think it's great. But the thing to me is, and I've said, I've said this in a couple of couple podcasts ago, is simply this. Tua, now the pressure's on him, because let's be honest with you, if you go out and get Tyreek Hill, Waddle, you got all these weapons. You got Cedric Wilson coming over from the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, you did get a run. You did get Chase Edmonds. Did pick him up. But the thing is, you've gone out and got offense line help. The pressure is on Tua for the simple fact that he went out and got weapons. Tua's got to step up his game. Now, I'm sure McDaniel is going to trust the running game. You've got about three or four running backs. You don't know which one's going to be the number one running back once the season opens. We don't know. But Tua is going to be the quarterback. Now, Tua could also learn from Teddy Bridgewater, who they've signed in the offseason to back up. So I'm sure Tua is going to learn from Bridgewater, who's a veteran in this league. He's going to learn from McDaniel. And you would hope that Tua's game steps up even more. But Tua's got to feel the pressure. Because to be honest with you, and I've said this before, if you go ahead and get a guy, you go ahead and get a Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is not going to be part of an offense where you go run the, run the ball, try to run the ball 30 times a game. Tyreek Hill's not going to be in that. He's not going to be wanting to be in that situation. And we're paying and we're paying receivers. I mean, Tyree's getting paid, what, $29, $30 million a year? I believe he's getting paid $30 million a year. You've got Devontae Hammond's getting paid $29 million a year. And I think DeAndre, Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, I believe, is getting, what, paid $27, $28 million, something like that per year, according to his contract. Well, let's be honest with you. 
Now, two is not Patrick Mahomes, far from it, because Patrick Mahomes has done an outstanding job. Now, some people think Patrick Mahomes might have stepped back this past year, but let's be honest with you, he did get his team to an AFC Championship game, right? He's won a Super Bowl. He's taking his team to another Super Bowl. So, Tyreek Hill goes from a team that's been in Super Bowl contention for the last three years to a team that's still trying to find an identity, a team that's still trying to find a quarterback to replace one Dan Marino, and they haven't done that. And the pressure's on. The pressure's on Tua. If you go ahead and get a Tyreek Hill, you're going to have to pass the ball more than you run it. Now, like I said before, I'm sure McDaniel has got that San Francisco 49er mentality, and he wants to run first and maybe pass secondly. Again, Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan's dad wanted to run the ball. That was their forte. They could pick a running back off the street, plug him in the lineup, and the guy can play. Well, in this situation, if you if you got if you got two weapons like Tua and Jalen Waddle, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think that's telling you? That's telling you that Tua's gonna have to pass the ball more. Plain and simple. And everybody knows in his leg, the passing game has super succeeded the running game. It used to be run first and defense. Well now, now you gotta have that quality quarterback. You gotta have good good receivers because you gotta air it out more. Let's be honest with you. Kansas City has had that formula for the last few years. The Buffalo Bills, for the last couple of years, they've used that similar formula. In this past, now for Cincinnati Bengals fans, you had three quality receivers. The Dallas Cowboys, they had Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, and Dak Prescott. Like I said, Dak has become the number, they've gone to a passing team first, and Zeke has been an afterthought. Well, here's a similar situation. Now, I wouldn't say it's a similar situation to maybe Dallas, but in some ways, it's got to be. To be honest with you, the running game for Miami has been non-existent. They've gone out and got a couple of running backs, but those running backs, one of them they got from the 49ers, Richard Mossart. He was a, uh, yeah, he's been a pretty solid, he's been a decent running back for the 49ers for the last couple of seasons, but he always gets hurt. That's a concern. Edmonds, Edmonds is the type of guy that cannot take the pounding. So Miami really, if you think about it, Miami really has not addressed that running back situation as much as you think it did. Now, if you look at the draft, there's only two guys that really step out. Kenny Walker from Michigan State, Brace Hall from Iowa State, about the only two guys. Now, Hall has been on top of everybody's list as that top guy. Now, I don't see Miami bringing in either one because any running backs are going to look, yeah, but you got too many running backs. But then again, it's kind of like offensive linemen. You can never have never have enough offensive linemen. In some instances, in some instances, well, the San Francisco 49ers can tell you you can never have enough never have enough running backs. But for Tua, the pressure's got to be on him because Tua's got to step up. And Miami is going to have to pass the ball more than he run it because this is a, this is a day and age now where 
we're passing the ball more, and Bernie's become Bernie has taken a backseat. And Ted can too a step up his game because now he's got the weapons. And to be honest with you, the pressure's on Tua because I'm sure the Miami fans are looking for a shot in the playoffs. Now, to me, as of right now, Buffalo is probably still the team to beat in the AFC East. And you can you can make an argument and go back and forth. Well, maybe Miami or New England could finish second. If you want to make the argument go back and forth there, I understand that. Now, Mac Jones, another former Alabama quarterback, he had some struggles, but even he had some struggles, but he did he had a pretty decent rookie season. And let's be honest with you. Mac Jones, Mac Jones did get New England to a playoff. He does have that on his resume. Here's two of He's been playing for this is a few years now, and he hasn't done absolutely nothing to get Miami into the playoffs. Now, can McDaniel can McDaniel can McDaniel be a step up from Brian Flores? That I don't know. Time will tell about that if that's going to be the case. But McDaniel's forte is certainly offense. Flores was defense. Now, Miami has a pretty decent defense in place already. Now, like I said, they've gone out and got a couple of offensive linemen. They've tried to bulk up the, you know, gone out and got a couple of running backs. You go ahead and you, you go for broke and you get a guy like Tyreek Hill. Well, the pressure is on Miami. And Tua has got to feel the pressure. I know he's used to it for doing his days in the University of Alabama, but let's be honest. The pressure's on Tua. And if you bring in Tyreek Hill, like I said, You've got to pass the ball. Because I do not see Tyreek Hill being on a team, as I've already stated, running the ball 30 or 35 times a game. I don't see it. You go ahead and you go ahead and you get Tyreek Hill, you're going to pass the ball more. Now, what if the Tua thing blows up in their face? Then you have to rely on Teddy Bridgewater. And then if Teddy can get the job done, where do we where do you where's mine to go from there? Then you go back into next year's draft. And you get a another quarterback that you feel that might, you know, I don't want the draft next year's draft. Now, at quarterback. Now, I don't they seem to put all their eggs in one basket with Tua, so I don't see them going out and drafting a quarterback. But maybe they might shock me. Maybe, you know, maybe they take they don't take the top four or five quarterbacks. There's guys. There's other guys out there that could quietly go to a team and could be productive. Does Miami go in the direction and quietly go ahead and get one of those quarterbacks instead of the top five? And that could be a possibility. That might sit there. But for Tua, the pressure's on him. He's got to step up his game. Like I said first, pass, pass, pass. I'm not saying they won't run the ball, but the pressure's on Tua. He's got to up his pay. He's got he's got to get better. If they want to contend, Tua's got to improve. Now Tua can tell the media once again, he feels no pressure. But the pressure is on his shoulders. He's got weapons. He's got to step up. He's got to show the world that he can be quality quarterback in this league. Now, 
again, not really not too long ago, uh, Robinson, the general manager for the um, Tennessee Titans, has come out and said that there's no way in the world that A.J. Brown is going any, anywhere. Now, as we all know, this all it seems to be the offseason of wide receivers. Now, granted, Deshaun Watson got his name thrown in there with the deal he going to Cleveland. And Tom Brady, who unretired. But for this offseason, it's been the receivers, right? I mean, from Devontae Adams getting traded, Tyreek Hill getting traded, now you have receivers that are on their final year of their contracts. From Debo to A.J. Brown to D.K. Metcalf. And all these guys have been subject of trade rumors. Well, Debo here, as of yesterday, he wants out. But A.J. Brown. Now, A.J.'s played well for Tennessee. There's no, there's no denying that. He had some injuries last season. But A.J. Brown, but, you know, A.J. Brown, there's not a team in this league that would not want a guy like A.J. Brown. And John Robinson, you know, Robinson knows that. He knows that. And if you trade A.J. Brown, what can you get for A.J. Brown for a number one receiver in this league? I don't know. I don't know if anybody in this, any, I don't know if any, anybody would trade like a first round pick for him. Now, there's certain, there's certain, I'm sure there's teams out there. If you start looking around the league, well, who has draft quality? I mean, what about would the New Orleans Saints take a chance at him? Because the Saints need receiving help now. I can see A.J. Brown in New Orleans. A.J. on one side. Maybe a Michael Thomas on the other side. But then Michael Thomas would get upset because he feels he's the number one receiver. But Michael has not been the number one receiver in the last few years. I know people, I know, and I know Dallas Cowboy fans that will take A.J. Brown. Be a nice fit against A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb as a one-two punch. That'd be a nice one-two punch that would keep up on the passing game. But then again, would Jerry Jones want to take A.J. Brown? Well, the way receivers are going right now, A.J. would have to get, A.J. Brown would have to get what? What, 27, 28 million? He would have to make a, he would have to get, I would say maybe DeAndre Hopkins type of money where he had to get maybe, maybe 28 a year. I don't know, you know, it may be something like that, but I don't see Dallas paying that, pay that tag. Somebody will say, well, what about the New England Patriots? The Patriots are always looking for a receiver. Well, AJ would be a, a huge upgrade. Would certainly be the one receiver and somebody that Mac Jones can hand that can certainly throw the ball to. But I don't see Bill Belichick or Robert Kraft taking on that contract that AJ is going to want. You can spend it so many different ways, so many different ways in this league. I mean, I know another sexy pick is what about the Green? What about the Green Bay Packers? Well, AJ Brown would certainly breathe life, life into the receiving core for Green Bay. No questions asked. But the problem is, if you trade, if you trade away Devontae Adams, who's now making twenty nine million a year, AJ Brown's going to want again something similar to that. Now they have draft they do have draft capital. They have two first round draft picks. But do you trade both of those draft picks to land AJ Brown? I don't see it happening. 
could they trade one? Well, yeah, I can see them trading one of those picks. But again, it goes back to salary cap. And Aaron Rodgers takes up a lot of that salary cap. Now, I know, I know salary cap. I know, you know, owners and general managers and stuff like that, they have a way of maneuvering, you know, money here, money there, and money here to get it under the cap, right? I mean, Jerry Jones has been, for years, Jerry Jones has been real good at maneuvering that, that cap, salary cap around. But it comes to a point as to, I'm sure the teams would want A.J. Brown, and I'm sure there's teams that have called Robinson about A.J. Brown. But, he says he's not going anywhere. And for the Tennessee, I hope that is the, I hope that really is the case. Now, again, yes. Tennessee's a little different because, let's be honest with you, the offense still runs through one Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry was having a career year last year until he hurt his foot. And I'm sure for some fans owners, it killed they might have taken away some of their chances, took away their chances of winning a fantasy championship. And I had Derrick Henry. I know that pain. It caused people. It certainly caused me pain. But but you gotta look at the situation now. With that, Ryan Tannehill. Now Ryan Tannehill's on the hot seat. He had a bad year last year. Is Ryan going to get, I mean, and to be honest with you, rumors are going around. Do, does Tennessee look at the draft and try to get a quarterback? Well, I don't think they'll get one of the top quarterbacks. They could maybe look at a quarterback, maybe a guy like Sam Howard, maybe in the second round or something like that, or maybe one of these other quarterbacks. Do they look at one of those quarterbacks? Because I don't know how much confidence they got in Ryan Tannehill. Well, it's for you to try to get A.J. Brown in, you're going to have to make sacrifices. Ryan Tannehill is probably one of those sacrifices. Now, now I can see Tennessee going to move Derrick Henry and tell Derrick Henry, you need to reconstruct your contract. And Derrick Henry doesn't seem like a guy that's going to hold a grudge or going to be all P.O.'d about it. And maybe he does that. But you got, yeah, but Ryan Tanya could be one of those salary cap casualties. And maybe he, maybe he makes, you know, maybe he gets cut or he gets traded or, or whatever the case might be. And there's got, you got to look elsewhere because if Robinson is serious about keeping A.J. Brown around, you've got to look at that possibility. And I'm sure Robinson, I believe Robinson has said that he's talked to A.J. Brown and his agent about trying to get together some possible deal. Because to be honest with you, if you can't get something together, then come 2023 season, you're going to have some serious problems to work with. You have a serious issue. And then he's going to, you know, and then he's really going to be want to be traded then. Or he's going to really want out. But like I said, there's a lot of teams in this league want AJ Brown. I know the Jets have been dying to get that number that that number one receiver. Now AJ, yeah, AJ would be a huge, would be a tremendous asset to the Jets. 
the Jets have missed, missed out several times on receivers on, on their top. Now, they missed out on Tyreek Hill. Now, yeah, I know they got Corey Davis, but Corey Davis is not a number one receiver. Elijah Moore played well this past season. In his rookie season, he played well. Did get hurt, but he played well. And what about Denzel Mims? They're expecting him to try to step up his game. He was a guy from Baylor that everybody raved about a couple of years ago. He needs to show the Jets that he is worth keeping around because he's probably going to be gone if he can't, if he cannot step up. But again, there's a lot of teams that want A.J. Brown. But let's be honest, the going rate for receivers now has been going up. I mean, Tyreek Hill has set the bar for $30 million. Him and Devontae Adams, $29 million contract per year. They have set the bar. Anybody else comes in behind them? A.J. Brown. Does A.J. Brown want $30 million? With Debo, would he want a $30 million contract? D.K. Metcalf, is he going to want that type of money? And then you got to look at Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup's coming off a career year. I mean, at one point in time, as Cooper will say, hey, wait a minute. I led the league in receptions, yardage, and touchdowns last year. I should be getting that money. But yeah, there's not a person in the league that wouldn't want A.J. Brown. But again, this is a situation where Robinson and other general managers in the NFL are going to be concerned about. Now, maybe Robinson can appeal, you know, appeal to A.J. Brown and his agent and say, hey, we can give you this amount. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know what A.J. Brown's thinking. Maybe he gives him a, what they call it, a hometown discount is what they call it. Maybe he gives him that. But A.J.'s going to want, A.J.'s going to want at least DeAndre Hopkins type money. I can see maybe if they give him 26, 27 million a year. Maybe, maybe that's what he might have to take to keep A.J. Brown around. But then again, Robinson and ownership of the Tennessee Titans are going to have to say they're going to have to make moves at some point, whether it's not this season, but next season. Like I said before, Tannehill, he could be gone if he doesn't step up his game. He could really be gone and you go have a new quarterback. Now, A.J. Brown, maybe his agent had taken that into consideration. Maybe they say we don't want to play for maybe Ryan Tannehill. Maybe we need to go look. Maybe we need to really push the button on John about Robinson and say, "Hey, we want to get out of here. We want to go to another team that has a a good quarterback." If you go in that direction, there's several teams out there. I mean, I know if that's the case. The Green Bay Packers. Well, but on Green Bay. They're not gonna make they're not gonna trade. They're not gonna trade. They made a first round pick or both first round picks. Again, we're going back to the same situation where they didn't pay Devontae Adams all that money. They're not gonna pay AJ Brown all that money. But it's a tough it's it's a tough spot to be in for for the Tennessee Titans. AJ's a solid receiver. He seems to get better every year. Yes, he was injured like he was he had some injuries last year. But he's still one that he's still a quality receiver in this league. Do you pay? How much is he worth? 
How much is any receiver in this league worth? Well, like I said, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, they set the standards. What's the last want? $31 million, a $31 million receiver next? I'm sure, who knows? They could happen. I've seen stranger things happen right in this league. But for Tennessee, you're hitting and missing. If you believe you can get A.J. Brown in for a home count discount, which I'm sure they're trying to do because they're trying to build a contender. They've been a contender for the last few years now. Now, granted, they got bounced by the Cincinnati Bengals last year. But the talent's there for Tennessee. And I'm sure that the, at the ownership, that Robinson, they know that. They've, but they're going to have to pay A.J. They have to fuck up the money to pay A.J. Brown. Or if not, A.J. Brown's going to want out. And that'll be a sad state for the Tennessee Titans fans. But I hope A.J. Brown and Tennessee Titans can come to some type of agreement Hopefully here soon, maybe, maybe they're, maybe, you know, they're working on something as we speak. You never know. But they're in a tight spot. The price tag keeps going up and up for receivers. But we'll see. We'll see if A.J. Brown does stay at Tennessee Titan for several more years. Or how much money does A.J. Brown get? We'll see. Now, for the last couple of episodes, we've talked about Kyler Murray. Now, their general managers come out and pretty much said that there's no way in the world that they're going to trade Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going to stay put. End of the story. Now, there's been so much talk of Kyler Murray. Is he, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? And I'm sure, and I'm sure there's plenty of teams that would want Kyler Murray. But to be honest with you, I don't see Kyler Murray going really anywhere. I don't really see that happening. Again, that's something you got to sit down and talk to Murray and talk to his agent and try to work out some type of deal. And again, we just talked about AJ Brown and the going rate. Now, my gosh, we know the going rate for what? quarterback per year down is what like 40 million plus now or something like that I mean Aaron Rodgers gets paid a lot of money Patrick Mahomes gets paid a lot of money per year Josh Allen's getting paid a lot of money per year you've got Kyle Burry his contract situation come up shortly the Ravens the Baltimore Ravens are having their problem with Lamar Jackson what is his net worth so it gets to be very interesting here very soon as to how much these quarterbacks want. Now, Kyler, when he came into the league, people had doubts about Kyler Murray. He's too small. That was the biggest thing with Kyler Murray, right? I mean, Kyler Murray has played, has, has, has played well. There has been some signs of improvement for Kyler Murray the last, you know, yeah, since he's gotten to this league. And I know, as we talked about in the last episode, I believe we did talk about that the buzz from Patrick Peterson and Chase Edmonds that they feel that Kyler Murray is not going to finish his career out with the Cardinals. Now, again, I don't know. That could be a case. Maybe that could be a case. And, of course, the again, 
I believe, I think somebody had tweeted this one out earlier that I had saw. This is something that I, even I brought up and I mentioned in the last episode that some people feel that they do not su- support, do not give Colin Murray enough of a supporting cast. Now, as I said before, the offense, yeah, they, the offensive line, you can make your opinions on that as much as you need to. But they've given, but they've given, but they've given Murray weapons. You gotta remember, Kyler Murray was an in, was pretty much had an MVP like season until he got hurt, and that just ruined everything for him. The Cardinals have done the best they can to get to get Kyler Murray weapons around him. In some way or shape, Kyler Murray's got to step up his game. He's got to be even that terror. But I don't blame you know, I don't blame the Cardinals for office, their management. No, you're not gonna trade Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray has made some improvements in his game. But we'll see. I mean, you look at the look at it this year from a division perspective. The San Francisco 49ers, they're still gonna be contenders. Now, it'll be interesting to see what Trey Lance can do. Now the Rams, the Rams are probably the favorite in that division. They're the reigning and defending Super Bowl champions. And again, they'll have another quality team to put on the field, and they're probably the favorites. Seattle, whether Seattle wants to do it or not, there's a possible rebuilding mode there. So right now, the Cardinals could be maybe the third best team in that division. Maybe. But again... How much again? It's going to, it depends. How much is Colin Murray? How much is Colin Murray worth? If they're going to keep him around, how much is he worth? And then Colin Murray's got to think. He's got to think outside the box. He's got to think beyond, beyond. If he takes, if he wants X amount per year, then Kyle's got to realize that hey, if I want a championship here in Arizona, sure, I want my money. And who doesn't want this league? Like I've discussed in the last episode, let's be honest with you, the NFL, you never know. You can be Super Bowl champion one minute, the next minute your career is over with. And that's certainly, that's that's something that any NFL player takes when they step onto the field. You can be a billionaire but all it takes is one possible hit, and your career could barely be over with. It's a, you know, football's a dangerous game. Now, granted, football's tried for just tried for many years to to make helmets safe here. Not to get hit, yeah, they've made you know rules you can't hit somebody in the kneecaps, or you can't take somebody's head off. There's nothing wrong with Kyler Murray and his agent trying to get him the best money possible. There's nothing wrong with that. But Kyle's got to realize if he wants to stay in Arizona, he needs to tell him the world that he wants to stay in Arizona. I think he put out a tweet. Now, he put like, what was it? 100, I believe, is what he meant. So, what I'm understanding is he's 100% behind what the general manager is saying. They were trying to keep him around. 
and that's probably a 360 from what the rumors were early earlier that he wanted out of there that he was looking to get out of Arizona. Now, it's hard for me to sit back and say, do I think Arizona will ever win a Super Bowl? I don't know. There's a lot of franchises that have never been to a Super Bowl. Arizona has been to a Super Bowl under Kurt Warner's watch. And you had Larry Larry Fitz you had Larry Fitzgerald as 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 your top receiver. Now whether they can whether they can get back to that again, I don't know. Whether they can get back to that that possibility of getting back to a Super Bowl, I don't know. That's 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 gonna depend on not only Kyler Murray continued improvement. That depend that depends on do you draft can you draft well, can you sign the right free agents. That also boils down to that it's not all on Kyler Murray. I know quarterbacks get the most pressure put on their shoulders because they are the quarterbacks of a of a team. But can they? But can I know Kyler Murray is going to certainly want his money, but the biggest question mark you got to ask yourself is simply this. If Kyler gets the big money, he's going to have to realize that if he gets the big money, he takes up a great portion of that salary cap. Then at the end of the day, he, there's a point in time where he might need that running back. He might need that extra receiver. Now, Hopkins has been one of the best receivers in this league for the last, for the last several years now. But Hopkins got dinged up last year. He was hurt. Now, he should be healthy going to camp. I mean, Hopkins is still one of the top one of the top receivers in this league. But you have to wonder how much longer do you think D Hop will be in Arizona? You got to look looking towards the future. AJ AJ Green will AJ Green has come out of bed that him and Colin Murray might not have had the best communication last year. But AJ Green's best days are behind him. Now, you got Von, Rondell Moore, who's a nice weapon, but can Rondell, I don't know if Rondell's ever going to be a number one receiver in this league. But Colin Murray's got to ask himself this question, how long can Hopkins play for me? Is Rondell Moore, can he be a number one receiver? Then again, in this year's draft, you've got a lot of top receiving talent. If you're the Cardinals, do you try to get one of those receivers? I mean, that could be a possibility. Because you bring that receiver in, you can have Hopkins, a young receiver, still have A.J. Brown and Rondell Moore, and you got Zach Hurts. Well, that's something to work with. Or do you get an offensive lineman? Or do you go out and get, do you gamble on a guy like Bryce Hall? I know James Conner, he re-signed. Connor had a good year last year, 18 touchdowns last year, total. But can you rely on James Connor to be healthy for a full 17 games? I would say no. But it all depends, like I said. The Cardinals are saying that Kyler Murray's not going nowhere. Now, I can understand, certainly I understand that, and I would like to believe, believe him. Because for a guy like Kyler Murray, 
if you really were thinking about trading him, it costs is gonna cost somebody a lot, a lot of money to get him, certainly out of Arizona. But I gotta be honest with you, I don't see it happening. I don't see anybody paying the high capital for Kyler Murray. Now, some people would pay a high capital for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, maybe Josh Allen some of his prime. Maybe somebody will pay a high price tag for a guy like Lamar Jackson if the Ravens are ever going to trade him. Maybe I do see that to some extent. But like Lee Cardinal, like Lee the Cardinals, are they going to stay? But Kyle Murray's going to stay put. But can they give him more weapons would be the question mark. Some people feel that he's got enough weapons. He's got, that they've been treating him right. They've been giving him weapons. That's why they brought in D. Hopkins. That's why they went out and got Zach Ertz. That's why they went out and drafted a guy like Rondell Moore. That's why I've drafted all these, some of these receivers the last several years. Some receivers, unfortunately, never panned out. But they've done their best to get Kyler Murray as much help as they can. And Kyler did play well last year. He was, at one time, leading MVP candidate until he got hurt. Again, that's an old thing the Cardinals rest you got to think about. Small as Kyle Murray, Kyle Murray is now taking a beating. Can Kyle Murray play over those whole 17 games? That might weigh in the Cardinals' thought process too when it is time to discuss a contract to give him that money. But we'll see. Is Kyle worth, is Kyle, can you Kyle worth $40 million? I don't know. My opinion would be is I don't, don't, See Kyle being worth forty million dollars, but if you if Kyle Murray is your man, I hate to say it, but in this league, you got to pay the money. And Kyle, and I guess, and that's just, what is that old expression? You got to pay the piper. But we'll see if Kyle. We'll see if Kyle does end up staying a Cardinals, Cardinal, throughout his whole career. And again, this league, it's hard to stay with one team your whole career. Aaron Rodgers, he has done that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron retires a Green Bay Packer. I've always thought that Aaron would probably get and come back to Green Bay and get more money. And he did exactly that. Kyle, Kyle's going to get paid. I'm sure he'll get paid. But does he stay a Cardinal for the rest of his career? Time will tell. Now we'll talk. The next thing we'll bring up is, is the New York Giants football team. Now, now, obviously, as you know, that some people get to do voluntary workouts early because of uh, because of uh, new head coaches that come into the league. The Giants are one. The Miami Dolphins are another one. The Houston Texans are another one as well. We have new head coaches. You can bring them in, sit down, go over film with you know, your staff and whatnot, and get, you know, get a playbook, whatever else might be the case. Now, now, there has been a rumbling. I know that Kenny, again, Kenny Calday has come out, and I believe he has said that he would like to see a lot of the Giants players come in and get the ball rolling right off the bat with a new head coach in place. Now, Kenny is probably like a veteran, either him or like Sterling Shepard. I like the veterans, for the veterans of, the, of that, receiving, that receiving group. Now, Kenny, again, we all know Kenny has had history of injuries the last several years. 
McKinney's always been a talented receiver in this league. There was a point in time they were probably like a top ten receiver in this league when he was when he was healthy in Detroit, and Matthew Stratford was throwing him the ball. Now, McKinney goes from having Matthew Stratford throwing him the ball to a guy like Daniel Jones or whoever else is going to throw the ball. Now, now the thing is about the Giants is they're stuck on that they paid Kenny a lot of money to come in and be that number one receiver. Now, I don't really have I don't have an issue with Kenny saying he would like to have guys come in to the voluntary workouts early, get the yeah, get the hit the ground running. And try to you know, and try to improve on what they did the last on what they've done the last several seasons, which the Giants have been a wreck the last you know the last several seasons, the last few seasons they've been a wreck. And again, the bottom line is, you know, if you underline the the line of voluntary, you don't have to come if you don't want to. But I don't have a problem, Kenny. I know Kenny, you know, Kenny wants to. And Kenny, I'm sure Kenny is frustrated because of all these injuries. He's a talented player, but all these injuries have caught up to him. Kenny also knows that, hey, I don't have Matthew Stratford on the ball. I've got Daniel Jones on the ball to me. Yeah, I may have Tyrod Taylor throwing the ball to me if Daniel Jones don't step his game up. Or I may have, or if neither one of them pan out, I might have a new quarterback by next season. Again, this is another situation is how much confidence does the New York Giants have in Daniel Jones? I mean, do again, here we go again. Do they look at a quarterback of the future? Maybe they could try to get somebody in this year's draft, or maybe there's a quarterback in next year's draft that they're looking at. Unless I mean, unless Daniel Jones turns into to Josh Allen, they probably will be looking at another quarterback. For next season, a quarterback they can take them, you know, hopefully they can find a quarterback and take them quarterback in the next 11, 12 years. But Kenny, you know, it's, you know, it's voluntary. And I know Kenny wants guys in there. But you got to be honest. But I think, you know, Kenny has the only, the only job that's made, made headways, headways. I know Barkley. I know Barkley is kind of feeling the pressure because ever since his breakout rookie season, he has suffered from injuries, and now he's feeling the heat not only from the media, from the from the media. Well, he is feeling a lot of heat from the media because I think it, I think Barkley is getting perturbed because he had a good rookie season. He hasn't done much since then, and I think he's feeling. I think he's getting angry. He's getting upset, and I think he wants to prove the world. That now he is getting towards the end of that rookie contract, and I believe he wants to go out there and show the world that he can be that guy. And Barkley, I believe, is only what twenty, what five, rookie years old, and something. The Barkley's already washed up at twenty five years old. Now Tony, the guy they drafted, again, he's been back in the news, and and I think people are kind of upset because. He's not coming to these voluntary workouts. And again, in Tony's defense, it is voluntary now, but I can understand like Kyle's point of view that, hey, you know, we have struggled the last few years. We gotta do something different. We gotta step up our game. We gotta come in 
we've got to, we've got to do, you know, we've, we've got to be better about this. Because of division now, still in that division, Dallas is probably right now. Dallas may very well repeat. Philadelphia played well enough last year to make the playoffs. Washington, defensively, they 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 bombed last year, but there's talent on defense side of the ball. Make no mistake about it. But the quarterback situation has always been a problem with Washington. Now they've gotten Carson Wentz. I still don't think they've corrected the problem at quarterback. Now is Carson Wentz an upgrade over? Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little bit, yes. Is he an upgrade over Tyler Heineke? Yeah, I would say a little bit. But, I have, yeah, but Carson Wentz has not been a consistent NFL quarterback. He has not shown that yet. And then you got the Giants. I mean, as of right now, the Giants are probably going to finish dead last in that division. But you got a new, you got a new coach, offensive-minded head coach, guy that took Josh Allen's game up another level. But then again, you take a look, you had Josh Allen. You had a decent offensive line. You had Stephon Diggs, one of the top receivers in this game. But you come into the league, you've got an iffy quarterback situation, a bad offensive line, a running back that has all the talent in the world that was probably better than what you had in Buffalo, but he's injured prone. You got Stephon Diggs. In some ways, you know, in some ways, you know, you might have more talented receiving for Buffalo than you did the Giants. Diggs, yeah, Diggs has proved the last couple of years that he can stay healthy for Buffalo. But Kali has not shown that he can play a full 17 game season. He has not done that. He has done that for several years now. But I get Kali's point of view. It's a new team. You want to come in. You want to show the world that you're legit, that you are serious, that you want to, that you're tired of losing. And I'm sure Kyle is. He had a lot of losing seasons in Detroit. He comes to the Giants. What happens? He's losing. And I'm sure Kyle Day, I'm sure any any NFL player has been on a losing team for several seasons, for, you know, for a few years now. They get frustrated. They get upset. They want to come in and do whatever it takes. And Kali wants to come in to hit the ground running. He believes he believes that there's a new vibe with the Giants, that they're going to be better. Well, they couldn't be no worse, let's put it that way. But I have to wonder with the Giants is how much longer you got a new head coach. How much other Giants, I know the Giants faithful. I'm sure the Giants fans and faithful are getting tired of this losing. And I'm sure the Giants fans wish, wish they could go back to the days where Bill Parcells was, co- was, was, was coaching and all those talented defenses. Think about it. The talent that the New York Giants had on defense from a George Martin to a Jim Burt to a Gary Reasons to a Lawrence Taylor, you know. And back then, they had a decent a decent offensive line. You had a quarterback in Pill, Bill Sims. Now, those days are far gone from the Giants. The Giants had new management, a new coach. Can the Giants, I mean, can the Giants, I'm sure the Giants will be able to get back on track. I don't know. Now, 
I know some experts, I mean, I know some people have really, as you know, Tony has not come in, he doesn't like to be there for voluntary workouts. And I know the buzz on Tony was that he was always, that he's had his issues when he was at the University of Florida. And a lot of, a lot of NFL teams, if you're a player that has any type of issues, some teams only put you on, put you on their, on their board at all because they don't want the headaches, period, in the story. Now, the Giants took a gamble on him last year. And, again, Tony, he was hurt a lot last year himself, but there were times last year where he did show where he could be that Debo, Samuel type of guy. Tony has, a, has the potential of being kind of like that for the Giants. And I don't blame Collier for wanting to come in to learn a new playbook because he has that tool. He has that potential of being a Debo type of guy. He could probably do that. But, again, it's going to be a point where, like Collier, can he stay on the phone for 16, 17 games? Can he, does he, can he get his head, can he get his head screwed on right and play that type of ball? Tony had the potential in the University of Florida being that guy. And there were times where he exploded on the scenes for Florida that played well. But then again, there was times he could disappear. Now, I don't know in time to find out if the draft pick, if he ended up being a solid pick for the Giants. But for right now, I'm sure he's upsetting Giants fans for not being there for voluntary workout. But again, like I said, I hate to say it, but down the line, it's just voluntary. And the manager has said that. It's voluntary. You don't have to show up at all. Kyler's going to show up. I believe Charlie Shepard might show up. You know, maybe Barkley, he might show up. He might show up there as well. I'm sure Daniel Jones is probably there because right now he's probably still the starting quarterback for them. But, I know Calder wants the team to get off, to get off and running. But again, it's voluntary. You don't have to show up at all if you don't want to. But when it comes involuntary, that becomes the issue. But I guess in time will tell if the Giants do improve or not. But again, we'll see how many, how many Giant players are serious about getting off to that off on the right foot to see if they can put in that time with the new coaching staff to see if it will breathe a, breathe a life into the New York Giants. But again, unlike Holiday, you want as many players involuntary in there as you can get in there. But my, my concern is Tony is a concern because it's not about, it's not that it's not about the voluntary thing because his past troubles University of Florida and he did get some issues this past season as well. That becomes an issue. And to me, I like to see Tony be that Debo for the New York Giants. But I have no problem with Kali saying he wants many guys in, in there as much as possible. Now, staying on the Debo subject, we I just talked to him, trying to compare him to uh, 
try to compare Tony Debo now. I know the buzz on the buzz in the street is everybody's trying to make a prediction. Well, he might go here, he might go there, he might go here. I know I, there's a lot of wishful thinking about about Debo, and everybody's saying he could go to the Kansas City Chiefs and what Andy Reid could do could do with him. Some would say, well, he'd be great for the Green Bay Packers. He'd be great for the Dallas Cowboys. He'd be great for this team. Somebody said he could wind up in Atlanta. That they could use a weapon like like him, but I think at the end of the day, the best bet for Debo would be to stay where he's at at San Francisco. That's if San Francisco John Lynch and company can work out some type of deal for Debo. Now, to be honest with you, Debo had a career year this past year. But if you got to look at what Debo did before he came in the league, he really didn't do a whole lot up until last year. And again. Now, I know some people, and some people have actually come out now that actually mentioned this, and I know some NFL experts have actually mentioned this. Is you got to remember, just like I just got through saying two seconds ago, he's had one career year that was last year, and the thing is, you're going off of what he did that one year last year. Who's going to want to pay him? Nobody in their right mind is going to pay this guy twenty nine, thirty million dollars a year. Now, I know that Debo wants to be a receiver and a receiver only. But to be honest with you, San Francisco is, is, is certainly the best system for him. He knows that. I'm sure his agent has to know that as well. It'll be interesting. I think eventually they're going to sit down. And they're going to, I'm sure Debo's going to get his money. But Debo's not going to be worth 27, 28, 29, even $30 million. They're going to come to some kind of agreement. And I don't know if any team in the end of this league would pay Debo that much money. Again, Debo's going to have to play like he's going to have to do it again this seat, this coming season to make the NFL. Yeah, now, again, the four Magic will be in a situation where they're going to have to pay him or he's going to be sitting on the bench all of, all of next season. And to be honest with you, I don't think Debo wants that, really wants that. But then again, maybe he doesn't want it because he wants to show the world how valuable he really is. But again, Debo's not going to show up in any workouts whatsoever until he gets paid his money. Now, I know Debo said it's not about money. It's about him being used right. Well... I would hope I would hope that John Lynch and company can set Debo down, talk to him and say, Hey Debo, we can maybe pay you this amount of money. Um, maybe we can we can talk to Kyle. Maybe we can bring Kyle in and maybe you can, you know, do this. Maybe it can make him as a receiver. But Debo was a was a beast last year, running the ball and passing the ball and passing it to him. And Debo's gotta realize that at the end of the day, that's his asset. I know you take a pounding of being a running back in this league, without a doubt, you you do. But you take a but you do take a risk going going over the middle and getting popped real good by being a receiver as well. Now, Debo wants to lengthen his career. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think Debo will get paid accord will get paid accordingly at some point. And I hope he does stay. I hope he does stay with the 49ers in the long run. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all for. 
this week's episode. Thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you again soon.